Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Matt Lindland, really excited that you're joining us. Thank you. Yeah, Gene, thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate everyone joining. It's an honor to, and, a, and a privilege to be able to share with everyone and Looks like we got a lot of coaches. I jumped on this morning to uh, check out Tom Ryan, what an incredible speaker he was. And uh, we had some meetings, so I uh, I missed Terry's and Chris Bono's, but uh, I really enjoyed uh, hearing Tom, and thank you for the great introduction. Uh, you know, I think I, I put those uh, on there just not to not to show what I've, I've accomplished, but just to show that I've uh, competed in, you know, multiple martial arts, not just uh, – Greco-Roman wrestling, but I've, you know, I've had success in, in freestyle. I actually had a lot more success in freestyle wrestling before I did in uh, Greco-Roman, just probably because that's what's pushed in the high schools. That's what's pushed in the colleges. And, uh, you know, I think becoming a, a martial artist, I think we were all created, you know, uh, in the image and likeness of God. And, and he is the ultimate creator and uh, the ultimate artist. And to, you know, not deny the fact that we are artists. You know, when I, when I work, work with the, the mindset guys and, and I always love the energy and the passion they bring to everything they do. And so this is just another treat and something that they're offering all the, uh, the coaches and, and everybody for free. So I think this is very exciting to hear uh, ultimately, ultimately hear all these great speakers so it's a it's a privilege to be uh, one of the speakers, you know. When when uh, I can't remember if it was Jake or Gene, one of them reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I'd love to have you on here." I said, "Certainly, you guys have done a lot for for our program. Uh, be, be a privilege to do this." You know, they said something like, "How about a topic of how Greco-Roman can help your folk style?" And and this is kind of awkward because I can't see everyone's reactions, but honestly that is not what I do. I, I coach athletes to become the best they can be in the world in Greco-Roman wrestling. And so um, there's, there's something different about the international styles than, than the folk style. And so I chose a topic of how, how to 
uh, how to become a more well-rounded martial artist and uh, Greco-Roman, the road less traveled, because there is a lot of people that, that don't travel down that Greco-Roman journey. And, the, and maybe they haven't been exposed to it, but I would encourage everyone to be exposed to as many of the martial arts as you can. You know, for me, the journey into martial arts started very late, just like uh, we heard Tom Ryan talk about uh, Terrell Belagna this morning, started uh, in 10th grade. Uh, I started in the ninth grade. You know, actually there was a, there was a four week program in our junior high um, wrestling and it got us out, got us uh, after school. We went and did some wrestling programs and I think it was about four weeks. I did that in seventh and eighth grade. So I was, I was exposed to it, but very, very little, very minimal. And uh, then we got into high school and uh, our, our gym class had wrestling as one of the, um, one of the subjects we had to do wrestling and it coincided right before the, the season. So, you know, they convinced everyone that, that was in the, the gym class that they were really good at wrestling and they should come out for the team. And that's really how they, they filled their roster up in, in the high school. So I um, believed the hype and, and went out for uh, high school wrestling and uh, had some success, but uh, I didn't really fall in love with the sport until after the end of my freshman year, I, I competed that whole season in high school. And uh, I was a 98 pound uh, wrestler that year. And uh, at the end of the season, my coaches uh, handed us a flyer and said, well, season's over. If you guys want to continue doing this, here's some information on uh, the freestyle and Greco-Roman state tournament. And so I went to one of the assistant coaches and asked him, you know, if he knew anything about that and how I could prepare and he said he would help me, um, but he didn't help me very much because when I got there, I went 0 and 8 in that weekend. And I think a lot of a lot of you on this on this call would be thinking, how how is it possible to go 0 and 8 in one weekend? Well, if you enter both freestyle and Greco in cadet and junior, it is possible you can go 0 and 8. Uh, but I did find out that there was something about the international styles that that I enjoyed, and that was the that was the encouragement of, of risk. And um, there, there's certain tenets in, in the sport of, of international wrestling. And, you know, what are those, what are those tenets uh, of wrestling? And I don't know if we can, Gene, can, can people uh, respond? Can they raise uh, questions or answer on here? Is this, uh, is that possible? People can, we could, um, we could have them write in the, I guess in the question A's, the question answers or the chat section, I guess the okay. chat section, if you're trying to be more interactive, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but uh, I was just trying to be, be a little interactive. Maybe you can help me with that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to do that part of it, but you see what, what my, my question, my question to everyone is, do they know the tenets of, of international styles of wrestling? And I guess they could just write that in there. Um, what are the tenets of international wrestling? Do you, do you see the chat section, Matt? Um, yeah, yeah, Q and A. Yep. Well, no, no. There, there should be one that says chat, and if you click that, it'll pull up on the side. Or maybe if you click the three buttons where it says more. Okay, I see you, it. Um, right scroll yeah, click on. I got it. And then it should be on the right. All right. Well, I don't see anybody in there answering. So. All right. 
Come on, people. Snap well, well, what are? Let me ask. Let me ask a question here. Then, what are the tenets of of the wrestling mindset? And uh, you know, we we talk about these a lot in our program, and I know the mindset uh, guys talk about it all the time. But I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. I am aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes, and I will never give up. The tenets of international wrestling is passivity is forbidden. So being passive is forbidden. So we we must be aggressive. That that falls in line with with the uh, mindset tenets, being aggressive and relentless. Uh, total wrestling, universal wrestling, and risk. And the bigger the risk, the bigger re the reward. And that's what I what really brought me to loving the sport of wrestling, was competing in the international styles. So I don't have a lot of passion for, for the folk style. I, I appreciate the art and, and I love what, what they do. And I think it builds a lot of resiliency and toughness and it helps uh, help me, you know, get a college education. I would have never have chosen to go to college if it wasn't for the opportunity to wrestle in college and to compete uh, at one of the higher um, levels of wrestling. And, and that was college wrestling for me at that time. I wasn't uh, I wasn't at that level where I could jump into uh, international wrestling, and so I didn't. <laughs> I, I ended up going to a junior college, and uh, out of that junior college, I was recruited. Uh, I won a national title there, and I was recruited to go on to become a, a college wrestler at the University of Nebraska. And uh, my my senior year, I had a pretty good season. I was thirty six and one that year, um, and I also won the uh, the university age freestyle tournament that year, as well as my junior year of uh, college. And so I, I knew that I was much more well-suited for the international styles because of those things that we talked about. You know, why, you know, why did I want to wrestle? Why did I love wrestling? I, I think a, a lot of it, you know, stemmed from the, the idea of self-defense. You know, I got into the sport um, I was bullied in junior high and, and especially in high school. When I got into high school, being 98 pounds um, wasn't the most intimidating. So, you know, I wanted to make friends. I wanted to be great at something. It was a warrior spirit. But honestly, I think it was about creating art. And when we when we talk about wrestling, I mean, uh, I don't know if the show of hands or or you can put in the notes there in the chat, you know, is wrestling a, a martial art or is it a combat sport? Nobody in the chat. It's it's hard when when I don't have interaction with you guys, but so I'm gonna pretend like you're. Uh, <laughs> it's combat sport. It's both. Uh, it's both. It's a combat sport, martial art. So we got some guys on both sides. Uh, both. It is. It is. It is both, and it is. But to me, it, it is it is a it is a martial art. It's a form of martial art, and I think a lot of times we don't look at wrestling as a martial art. We look at it more as a combative uh, sport. It's a combative sport, but it, or it's a combative art. You know, Bruce Lee says to be a martial artist means to be an artist in life. Um, you know, the the martial art comes from the god of, of war from Rome, Mars. Uh, it's an inclination for war. It's a sport, yes. Uh, you know, is wrestling more pure than MMA? You know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what What is that answer? Is it, 
is it is it more pure? Let me see your guys' comments over there. What's the difference between martial arts and combat sports? Well, yes, partly. Poetry and motion. Let me uh, let me find a. Uh, I've got something here. Well, uh, Picasso said that every child is an artist. Uh, the problem is uh, is if they remain an artist when they grow up. But my coach actually had a very a very uh, <clears throat> great uh, poet. He was he was an artist himself. Uh, he was my one of my first wrestling coaches. He was my club coach, and I started out with that story about telling you guys how I went zero and eight. Well. The next week, I found myself at the at the club where Mark Sprague, who wrote this this poem that's kind of inspired me whole, my whole life, which a great artist reflects on his inner thoughts and emotions with a canvas and a brush. The martial artist, the wrestler, paints his picture with skill, with skill, courage, stamina, speed, strength, and resilience in a lifetime of struggle and training, knowing that the final reward, win or lose, comes from the struggle and not the triumph. For the martial artist or wrestler, competing becomes the greatest of all art forms. The artist leaves his final work on the easel for all to see, but the martial artist leaves his portrait of greatness in the memories of all the spectators that love the great sport and the men that participated in it. Let me encourage you to train and compete with the freedom of self-expression and the fight of the lion. And that was from my coach, Mark Sprague. And when I, when I got to that club, I was very inspired because not only did we have a lot of great wrestlers, we had guys that were on world and Olympic teams. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't really take that into, into understanding early on. I, I, was, I was thinking, this is a combat sport. This is not an art. Um, so if you want to if you want to be a great artist though you you have to live an interesting life because great art is fueled by the experiences um, of an interesting life. Marcus Aurelius wrote uh, a blazing flame and the brightness you know is everything that's thrown into that and it's all your experiences all the time the the wins the losses the ups the downs the training um, that goes into that and so for me wrestling became my art form. And, you know, I think we, we were definitely created in the image and likeness of God. And, and he is the greatest artist of all. He is the creator uh, of all. And for us to go out there and create art is, is a, us showing a reflection, showing a light uh, of what we are in his image. And so for me, the tenets of wrestling really show the the kind of art that i love you know passivity is forbidden you know for me one of my my greatest you know philosophies is go out and be bold and courageous and inspire others when you're doing that so it's it's live a bold and courageous life and and there's nothing about being bold and courageous um that has to do with passivity and passivity is punished it's punished pretty heavily in our sport especially in greco-roman um, one point in freestyle isn't isn't really, you know, a big penalty. But putting a guy down face down with his lines of defenses, your your lines of defenses are hands, head, chest, hips, and you put those lines of defense facing the mat, and you allow another, the opponent to get on top, and to start the uh, start action 
with, with no lines of defenses. So for me, you know, I, I think that's a, it's a really harsh punishment as it should be because we are not called to be passive. We're, we're called to be bold and go out there and be, be bold, aggressive, especially in our sport and total wrestling. I mean, what, what is total wrestling to, to somebody, you know, that is, you know, total wrestling is, is defines the dynamics of all out aspect. The wrestlers are expected to attack counterattack continuously during the fight there. So it kind of goes along with that passivity, but also about creating that art and finding ways to, to get to there. Universal wrestling, which is which is another tenant of international wrestling, is an essential quality of total wrestling. It calls for the development of new techniques and the use of a wide variety of actions and holds. This is creating art. To deny our creativity is to deny our human nature, guys. So understand that we are developing artists and that these artists are created in the image of God. So our job in life is to shape ourselves into, into some ideal we imagine. So we, we need to find out who we are inside. So the most important thing about creating art is it's your, it's about you. It's, it's about who you are and, and not somebody else. It's too many times when I get athletes that come into my, my program and they, they start it, they feel like, I feel like they are trained um, and training's great. And we should train guys in principles and we should train them in fundamental stance, motion, you know, the seven basic skills, stance, motion, elevation, penetration, lift, uh, back step, back arch. We should, we should get their stance and their, and their fundamentals in place, but we need to encourage our athletes to go out and take those risks. On the other side of, of, of fear, there's growth. And without, without allowing your athletes to experiment and fail and struggle, and, and we, we all know the value of struggle. We all know that that's part of, we call it the grind, you know, and, and I, I, don't, I don't like to use that word. I don't like to talk about wrestling as a grind. I like to talk about it as, as love like going out there and doing something I love to do. But on the other side of fear, there's growth. And so take action and, and face those fears and lead a bold and courageous life, do amazing things and inspire others. And that, that's kind of always been my philosophy. Um, well, it's been my philosophy since I, I developed it. And maybe that happened more as, uh, as an adult, maybe sometime in my, in my college years, um, I love to take risks. I love to, um, I mean, for me, kayaking, if maybe, a, and, and whitewater rafting, if I found that before wrestling, maybe that would have become uh, my passion. It certainly became my passion after uh, I spent years in, in the sport of wrestling. Um, so I, I developed a lot of those philosophies and, and thoughts throughout my years of, of wrestling. And this is, Gene, this is really hard without any feedback. So if you're hearing me, <laughs> I'm here. I, I feel I'm like here. I'm just talking to a screen. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's great. And I was actually going to ask you to touch on that about kayaking, how 
little known fact that or that I didn't know anyway before the last time we spoke that you were actually ranked in the country in kayaking. Uh, actually, it was in, in whitewater racing in, in, a, in a rubber boat with a team. Uh, I took out the kayaking. To me, to me, I, I love the analogy of, of whitewater rafting as, as how to get a team down the river. And we've, we've done some training with my athletes in Colorado Springs. We went over, I, I met with some SF guys um, at the W, WCAP is part of the Army program. It's the world-class athlete program for some of the coaches that maybe don't understand. Greco-Roman has a huge advantage and probably one of the only advantages to our sport is we have a lot of military support. Some of our best athletes come from the armed forces. The Army and the Marines both sponsor programs and pour a lot of uh, support and, and finances into those programs. And so I've, I've had opportunities to go over and train the SF guys, the Special Forces 10th group right there in Colorado Springs. They train in the same base, uh, Fort Carson, where <clears throat> the WCAP athletes train. And so I've made some relationships over there and I found out, you know, there's a pool. And they, these guys don't even know what's all on their base. I mean, they got access to so much amazing stuff. I mean, if if I was a coach and I was training an athlete now that's in high school, I would definitely push them towards one of the armed forces, the Marines or the uh, or the Army. Air Force does have a, a, a world-class athlete program. We had guys like Alex Mossing on there, Brandon Mueller. We have some some guys come out of there and they have a great RTC that trains alongside our program in Colorado Springs. And Coach Barber is an incredible kayaker and I've gotten an opportunity to start kayaking with him. But I, I started out, um, well, in high school, I, I actually was uh, right out of high school. I started guiding a little bit on some class three rivers on the Eastern side of Oregon over in the Deschutes, if anybody knows where that is. But uh, you know, it's some class three white water and stuff. And so uh, when I came back to Oregon and started my, my mixed martial arts career after the Olympic games, I uh, met some guys that, that raced for the Oregon uh, rafting team. And uh, they asked me if they could use my gym in the off hours to prepare in the off season for their whitewater uh, competition. And I, I kind of just thought this was like a, a local yokels, some kind of fun group. And I saw them training. They were training hard. They were, they were, you know, doing, you know, cross training type of activities, which we also use as training modalities in our martial arts school here in Portland, Oregon, which is Team Quest. If anybody's interested in looking that up, it's uh, just tqmma.com for Team Quest uh, mixed martial arts. But they came into my gym and were were asking about using our facilities in the off in the off times while we weren't using it. I have three different rooms. I have a, a big room up front and I have a big fitness area where we have tons of Supals training. Um, Supals is, is pretty much our training modality. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the mindset guys. I, I love them. They support wrestling. They give back to wrestling. Yvonne is the same way. He supports our program. He gives back to the sport in general. Uh, I, I love the community that, that wrestling has built and the people that were, are in it. And that's why I, I'm honored to be on this call and to share some of my thoughts about what 
wrestling to me means and, and being an artist means and being a martial artist means. But yeah, I did, uh, went out to their first race and it was on the Wind River early March. I didn't have a, didn't have a dry suit, but I jumped in a boat and took a lap with these guys uh, during their practice lap. The next week they recruited me to race down in, uh, in Southern Oregon and the Klamath River down uh, near Grants Pass. And uh, I won my first race. Uh, it was an R2 race. When we talk about R2, it's raft, two, person, R4, R6. And so those are the, the different modalities we train in. And there's sprints, there's long distance, uh, we call it downriver, and then there's slalom, which is going down upriver and downriver gates. And so I, I fell in love with that, and that became a passion of mine. And when the river started getting getting a little lower, that's when I took up kayaking. But uh, yeah, we we competed. I was on the national team for three three of the six years that that we competed. And um, when I got out to Colorado Springs, the uh, the guys that were on the world team actually asked me to come out and start training with them sometimes. So that that's been a real honor and a privilege as well uh, to to get to train with some of the best guys in the in the country but uh you know getting back to, to my topic which is is creating art and to deny our creative nature uh is to choose is is a um would be irresponsible because we are created in that image and uh fear is is that shadow uh of creativity when we when we choose to create art we we bring light to those fears and facing fears, especially in wrestling and martial arts, there's so much fear, fear of losing, fear of looking stupid, fear of getting hurt. I mean, all those, those things that go along with the activities that we choose. Um, creating art though is inherently a courageous act. And, and to make our lives creative is to marry ourselves with risk and the failure and the struggle and, and all, all that goes along with taking risks and to be creative we we were born to be creative and, and if coaches want to, to create a world a better world we need to unleash the creative potential inside of each of our students to create the beauty that is true um one john he talked he talked about uh and i think it was like 48 or 418 something like that uh perfect love drives out fear and and to love what we do i love kayaking i love white water but i love wrestling too it is, it is a passion of mine and, and there there's an order to creating art we we have to dream we have to imagine we have to vision what what that looks like and i was so blessed to be in an environment where i could see guys that were came before me in, in, in my room, not just, not just at the big tournaments. There was guys in my room. Uh, Anthony Motto was Olympian. Travis West was Olympian. Mark Fuller was a tiny guy. So I got to train with Mark Fuller. He was on three Olympic teams. And dream, risk, and create. We, we create, we cannot create without risk. We have to embrace that risks. And, and that is what drives me to to wrestling it was was the risk of of winning the the risk of of looking like a fool and and not 
taking those risks for me w would have been not to be myself. Um, and, and so it's hard for me to, to watch when I get these athletes that come in and they, 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 they follow the rules. They, they follow all the rules. There, there are principles. There are fundamentals that we need to follow. But I hate it when it's like, it's almost like paint by colors. You know, the number, you know, oh, point blue here, paint red there. You know, and all of a sudden your trees are green and your, you know, the trunks are brown. And you can see I'm out here in the, the Northwest and I got all kinds of nature around me. You're probably hearing the, the birds and the bees. Uh, going on, but uh, it, it's to create is to be human. To to create is to fill our divine intention, and to create is to reflect the image of God. To create art, and that's what what I love to do. And my my art is martial arts. Uh, to create art is is literally an act of worship for me, um, because the. the to deny that God created me in his image and his likeness and, and knowing that he's a creator of the entire universe. And I, I mean, I, I spend most of my time in nature and when I don't get that opportunity to be in nature or to be on the mats, I, I literally start to go a little nutty. And so it's been, it's been pretty hard for me to, um, be away from the mats as we are right now doing these zoom calls i i call it zoom fatigue um for me this is fun getting to talk to you know what, what do we got 117 coaches on this call that that are all interested in in hearing more growing more and i, I heard gene talk about you know how do we how do we constantly improve and and live up to what we were created to be and so um you know, just thank you guys for allowing me to share um, some of what I feel uh, is important and uh, creating art, you know, for me coming from wrestling. I mean, I, I was criticized quite a bit by going into mixed martial arts and that was early in the, in, in my training, you know, I was like, I got, I got a little bit involved in it and after while i was still wrestling you know i i fought in a tough man competition in colorado springs uh i'll tell you a little story guys uh i after uh after the university of nebraska my wife uh she wanted to move back to oregon she was like okay college is over we're done uh let's move back to oregon both our families live there um you know we want to we want to get our son I, at that time i just had one child uh, while I was in college, um, just, just the one son. And then, uh, so we moved back to Oregon and that's where we conceived my daughter was since we moved back to, to Oregon, but she wanted to be around family. She thought, you know, this wrestling was okay. College is, is done. And I think that's what, what happens is a lot of, a lot of these guys, they don't fall in love with it because they, they don't feel like they're creating art. They feel like, they're following the rules. They're doing what their coach said. You know, my hand goes here, my foot goes there. Um, grab this single leg, you know, and and it it isn't art. It isn't their own purpose. And so, when you're allowed to go out and create art, you you can literally fall in love with this sport of wrestling. And so, I encourage 
all the coaches that are on this call and, and listening to this talk is to ask your athletes to fail. I, I do so many clinics and stuff where, where I'm like, yeah, you, you did that totally wrong, but that's okay. Now you figured out a way not to do it. Try it again, try this, you know, see what works and experiment and play. Um, we don't talk about wrestling as, as play, but for me, it is play. It's, it's art, it's playing. It, it's a, it's a fun, creative activity um, where you get to be really expressive about who you are and what you love to do. But uh, so you see the, we're living in Oregon. There's a bunch of questions for you if you click Q and A. Okay, let me get there in a second. I'll finish the story and then I'll oh, get no, there. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I guess I, I, there's too many things to do here, but I will definitely get to Q and A right there. I can see nine questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you ask them, but let me finish the story. So, while I was in, uh, well, while I was in Oregon, uh, Mike Houck, uh, who's the national team Greco-Roman program, invited me out to Colorado Springs to be part of uh, what is now referred to as the resident athlete program at the Olympic Training Center. Excuse me a second. Uh, sorry, take a drink. So as soon as my daughter was born, uh, two weeks later, we drove out to Colorado Springs and I, I you know, my wife was a little nervous. I'm, I'm more risk, uh, I'm more okay with taking those kind of risks and, and chances i guess uh she was a little nervous uh my daughter was two weeks old i'd lined up a job um to pay our bills i'd gotten a, a apartment ready actually i found a house and uh, we were moving out there on the way out there and uh, i think it was around cheyenne wyoming uh we found out the funding got dropped for that that job that i had so when i got there uh she was thinking oh, okay well let's turn around and uh you know we can find a place to live back in Oregon. But I, I, had, I had definitely a dream of being not just an Olympian, but winning the Olympics and, and competing in, in the games and being at the highest, highest level. And so there was no way I was turning around. I got there, I found a job driving a Zamboni, but you know, we came up uh, upon some hard times there and, and we didn't have enough money. Her grandfather was, was dying and, and, on the way to practice that morning, we had strength training that day. Um, I'd heard this this radio commercial. It was way before MMA. It was this was well, I guess MMA had started '93, Denver, Colorado, uh, first UFC. So this was around the early time. But uh, they were they were pumping this thing up: karate, taekwondo, wrestling, boxing. Come one, come one, all. And uh, I was trying to figure this out because I needed to go fight because I'd heard that the prize money was $1,000. And and I knew that would buy my wife a ticket to get home to Oregon to to see her grandfather before he passed. And uh, I get there and they're like, no, 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 this is a tournament and you had to be registered and be one of these clubs. I said, no, no, no. I listened to the ad. It said, come one, come all. Now we're just trying to sell tickets. <laughs> I said, well, you might need an alternate if somebody gets hurt. They said, you know what? We, we might. Uh, why don't you stick around? So I stuck around. Believe it or not, I got into the tournament. Uh, I, I literally think you had to have a pulse to get into the tournament because the, the med checks were, were nothing. 
came up with a strategy. I'd never, uh, I'd never competed in any martial arts up until that point uh, outside of wrestling, but I knew I could fight. I knew I was a competitor. I knew I could compete. I knew I could fight. I went in there and, and won that tournament. I had five matches that evening um, and they were all three one minute rounds, except for the finals was three, three minute rounds. And I, I got to compete in there. Um, I trained all the way up through 96 and, and did not make the team. I actually uh, took third that year. Um, I, won, I won the nationals a year before. I was, on, uh, I was in the finals um, for the world team trials the, in 95 and 96. I figured I was, I was right there and this was, this was my chance and uh, I didn't make that, that team. And I also didn't have enough money to uh, support my family and, and my training. And so I got an opportunity to move back to University of Nebraska and coach there while I was training. And so I, I took that opportunity. But along that, that way, I started training judo at the Olympic Training Center. When I got to Nebraska, I took three fights in, in back then it was called No Holds Barred, NHB. It's not NA, MMA, it was NHB. Uh, but there were holds barred. There was only three holds barred. There was uh, no biting, no eye gouging, and no groin attacks. attacks. And for me, I love that rule set. Um, and when I got into the UFC, uh, right after the Olympics, um, Jeff Blatnick was, was our announcer for the Olympic Games there. And uh, I just told Jeff, uh, he was also the announcer for the UFC. I told him, please help me figure out a way to get into the UFC. I need to fight. And we competed in the games that year. The Summer Olympics were pretty late. They were October because it was in Australia. And that was their summer. And so I got to compete in the games. And then uh, in October and December, I was fighting in the UFC. And, you know, I came back to wrestling one more year because I wanted to compete at the World Championships in New York City in uh, – 2001 and we all know what happened in 2001 uh, September that year um, so the world championships were were postponed um, they were canceled then they rescheduled it and ultimately I, I moved up a weight class and uh, moved up to 85 kilos that's a big jump from uh, 98 pounds um, as my freshman year in high school and uh, won, a, won a world silver medal there for the United States um, in December in Patras, Greece that year. So I'm gonna to go to questions now, Gene. Okay, come back on. I actually like it when your face is on there because at least it looks like I'm talking to somebody. Yes. <laughs> even, if, even if it's just you, brother. No, no problem, no problem, I got you. So let's see, I got here. Do you have any opinions, techniques on how to foster an aggressive mindset for high school wrestlers? That's from Roberto Furtado. All right. Um, Foster, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like for me, I, I was created to be a warrior, um, <laughs> you know, and, and aggressive mindset. But I don't know, I don't know if, if, if everybody has to have an aggressive mindset. I don't know if that's, that's necessary. I think maybe, I think maybe for, uh, for one of your students that, that doesn't have an aggressive mindset, maybe he, he is a more of a, a a technical guy or, or he's, he's more a creative wrestler. He's an artist uh, rather than, than an aggressive all out, you know, type of fighter. I, I think my kind of art is a little more violent and aggressive, but um, I don't know if that's necessary, 
but uh, I think just getting getting him to fall in love with the sport would be the first thing that that would make him a better wrestler. And I don't know about the aggressive mindset. I don't know if we have to have that aggressive mindset. Uh, I think there's there's so many ways to approach the sport. So. <clears throat> Next you got question. Another one? Steve, yep, Steve, you, got, you got another one? Yep, Stephen Mack. He says, did you, Coach Lindland, have a role in getting women's wrestling at NMU? Do you know if there's a plan to bring on a men's collegiate team? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, no, I, I did not necessarily have a, a part in that, but I, I may have inspired it. <laughs> because, uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest struggles for, for Greco-Roman in the United States is uh, it's not our first sport like it is in most nations. A lot of nations, you go to, you go to Serbia, you go to Croatia, you go to Hungary, uh, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, all these nations that are really, really good in Greco-Roman, uh, they, they don't do freestyle. It's, it's, they don't do it. But they started doing women's freestyle uh, for the gender equity and, and to get more women involved in the sport. And so I was getting a lot of pushback uh, budgetary-wise at USA Wrestling. Uh, we're spending a lot of money. This program was created, Steve Fraser was the national coach. In 2001, he created the, the program in Northern Michigan where they would essentially wrestle Greco-Roman just like you know, there's 77-some colleges that wrestle folk style, which does not translate into an Olympic sport. And we have one program in, in the United States where they wrestle Greco-Roman. And uh, we weren't getting a ton of results. We had Harry Lester come out of there. Andy Bisa came out of there. Adam Wheeler came out of there. We've had some success, but the, the, the thought was we could have more success somewhere else. And, and I just felt like this is going to crush our base. The guys that, that do love Greco and are, are training their athletes to be Greco-Roman wrestlers don't have a place to send their, their athletes. And right now we have, we have a pretty good, good place to send athletes, and especially when you're sending an athlete up there to work with a guy like Andy Bisick, who is just an incredible human being. Somebody I would want my son or daughter to wrestle for would be somebody like Andy Bisick, somebody that's a, a man of character. And so getting Andy up there and then finding out, oh, you know, we got to start, we got to start figuring out how we're going to cut that budget. So I went up there and made a couple trips to Northern Michigan and basically just said, you know, the model that we see why all these D2, D3, and AIA schools are starting is to bring money into the program. Well, we have 50 athletes that are training and competing there, going to school, paying tuition, paying books, paying fees, parking, you know, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it's about a million dollars that that school would lose if Greco-Roman went away from them. So what I did was I asked them to cover most of that budget. We were spending about $200,000 a year there. Now we're gonna spend $30,000 a year and we're gonna cover the coaches travel and uh, they're going to cover all the other expenses for us. And they kind of looked at that and said, well, you know what, we, we probably should start, you know, women's wrestling here as well. And so I think that was more the, more the idea of that, guys. So for, for us, I think it was a win-win. We have to create those win-win scenarios. You know, you're going to get more revenue for your, 
for your school, your program. And if you drop wrestling and you don't want to help help us fund that, you're going to be losing that that kind of revenue coming in. So that was kind of the answer to that one. What was some other ones, Gene? All right. We got from Curtis Urbina. As we are getting more kids and girls involved in folk style, what type of mindset should we look for in our youth wrestlers that might indicate they might enjoy Greco? Probably yeah. maybe wrestling. Guys that are courageous and brave. Guys that are, that are brave and courageous. What I hear most often um, about, you know, why guys don't don't get involved with with Greco-Roman is um, they're scared. It's 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 a it's a style they don't know. They're they're scared. They're scared to look stupid. Really, look at look at me. I I was a state champion in in folk style, and I'm gonna have to start over in in this new style, this new art. Um, for me, that that's been been my journey. You know, it was like you know, going from, you know, folk style and, and being really restricted and confined. I mean, the, the rule set in folk style is, is, does not allow me to be creative like I want to be. I can't throw a guy on his head. I can't pick him up and, and take him over my head and slam him into the mat as hard as I can. And that's why I think wrestling is such a great martial art and such a great self-defense. I mean, we, we look at that, we go, some of the best wrestlers are some of the best MMA fighters, which doesn't necessarily translate to self-defense, but it certainly can for sure. And I think, you know, using gravity, taking a guy off the off his feet and returning him to the ground. And we play on, on a mat. I mean, we play wrestling, you know, when, when we're doing wrestling in real life, I mean, you could really damage a guy using cement or gravel or, or something like that. So it is a very good art for self-defense. And I think every every individual, you know, I mean, women, men, I mean, my daughter um, has been a martial artist her, her pretty much her whole life. Uh, she started training martial arts as, at eight years old. I have a gym here in Portland, Oregon, uh, Team Quest. We're, we're pretty much one of the uh, founders of mixed martial arts by guys like Randy Couture and Dan Henderson and Chael Sonnen and Evan Tanner. I mean, we've had multiple UFC champions that, that I've trained and I've, and I've trained alongside or, and I've also coached uh, guys in that program to become some of the best martial artists in the world, but it is taking that base of wrestling. And we see it, you know, DC, um, Cejudo, Usman now, uh, Nagamedov. I mean, some of the best, MMA fighters all have that wrestling base. And I think nobody can deny the fact that wrestling is, is really strong, but find, find that guy that loves risk and he loves the excitement, but also get them out of their comfort zone, have them try something new, have them do jujitsu, have them do Muay Thai. When I've trained in Thailand, uh, you know, I mean, it was like they loved, using Greco-Roman off balances and knee bumps and, and stuff, you know, but Muay Thai to me is so similar to Greco-Roman, you know, somebody that, that isn't involved in maybe the arts would look at, would look at Muay Thai and think it's just straight boxing and kicks and knees and elbows. But most of that fight ends up in the clinch. Nobody wants to stand on the outside and get punched. So they, they close the distance and they, they, they call it the plum clinch where they're grabbing the back of the neck, 
but I showed them a collar tie with an underhook and they were just blown away. They were like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, something as simple that we use in our sport transitioned so well into Muay Thai and vice versa, moving angles. And there's so many similarities between all the arts is stance and, and position, head up, butt down, hip, uh, hips in, elbows tight. You know, if, if I throw my punches like this, you see them coming, I throw them here. You don't, see, you don't see that thing. It's coming straight at you. So different angles of attacks. I mean, there's, there's only two ways to, to, to create an angle. Move him, move you, or do both. Move him and move you. You know, if, I, if I'm trying to create space on, on bottom in jiu-jitsu, it's move him, move, move me. If I can't move him, I got to move myself. And those same things apply on our feet in wrestling. You know, when we get an attack, we get a hold of something. So expose your athletes to as many of the arts as you can. Maybe they're going to they're gonna leave wrestling because they're going to fall in love with jiu-jitsu. But you know what? That's okay because now they're following their passion. And I've, I've had this happen to me so many times because I've exposed guys to so many different arts that some of these guys gravitate towards Muay Thai or boxing. Some of them gravitate towards jujitsu, but others fall in love with the wrestling. Uh, we were talking about my daughter doing martial arts and she's one of my four black belts. I've, I've been running this gym for 20 years. Um, I've only ever promoted four black belts. She's the only female black belt. Uh, Kaylin, Isaiah, Robert, uh, well, Robin, then Robert. Uh, Robert was our last one we promoted uh, this, this year. And I'm going to use him next week if any of you guys are going to be doing that uh, USA Wrestling uh, clinic that's online that Mike Clayton's putting together. Um, you'll see Robert. He's one of my other four black belts. Um, but for them to be a black belt in my system, you have to be well-rounded in all martial arts, not just, not just wrestling, not just jiu-jitsu or boxing. You have to be very well-rounded in all of them. So I hope I answered that question. Uh, it looks like we got a few more. This is fun. Yeah, definitely. How should a high school coach implement Greco-Roman into folk-style wrestling season? Oh, I, I'll tell you what, what, I, what I used to do when I was, when I was coaching uh, NCAA Division I uh, in Nebraska. I was coached at, at Clackamas um, with Josh Roden. And if you guys, uh, if any of you coaches are, are looking to send a guy to a junior college, um, Clackamas community and Josh Roden would be the the guys I would send my my students to because he's going to develop them as as individuals and as people first and then develop them as athletes second. But uh, you know we we called it Dirty Greco where you couldn't grab the legs, but but all the tie ups you can trip you can sweep you can prop, um, so you could use leg to leg contact in in those in those drills and then i would even allow them to take a high single leg um from there but i wouldn't allow that from separation they had to be within within a, uh, the pommel or the fight or the the hand fight um from an underhook from a two-on-one um so we would we would use greco-roman in in that modality to show our athlete that there's so much more they can do and if i was uh, on a mat in a wrestling room, I, I mean, but, but visualize this, you're, you're bent over, you're head to head and your, and your hips are back. It's hard to trip. 
It's hard to foot, foot sweep. It's hard to foot prop, you know, but as soon as you start getting your body in closer and, and your chest to chest instead of head to head, now your legs become, become another tool, another weapon that you can use. And so you're leaving without training Greco, you're leaving a lot of those tools on, um, on the table. You're not even dipping into that toolbox. And so those are some of the things that, that I, would, I would definitely do to get my athletes. But how many times do you hear, don't tie up, don't tie up with that guy. He can throw. And so they, they stay away. And then, then that same coach is yelling, you got to put him on his back to win. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, those things don't go hand to hand. You know, you can't be afraid. You, you've got you've to experiment. You've got to play. You've got to create that art. And that, that was kind of what I was talking about uh, originally was uh, letting your athletes fail, um, giving them courage, uh, encouraging them. Literally, when you encourage someone as coaches, you are pouring courage into them. You are dumping courage into your students by encouraging them and encourage them to, to play in all those areas. Maybe not in the, in the competition time when you're trying to win and, and all those things are on the line, but certainly in the room. Um, and so that, that could help you with, uh, with some of your folk style training as well. Absolutely. I remember being at the, uh, I remember being at Fargo, the, well, the, the, tr the training camp up to, up to Fargo, Team New Jersey, uh, back in 2001 over at Blair Academy. And I was training with Mark Perry and we were the same weight class at the time. And he said, and he was, and co the assistant coach, Solomon Fleckman, was, who eventually became the head coach of, of Blair, showing some kind of upper body situation. And Mark Perry asked him, he said, well, what do I do if I'm in that position against Harry Lester? And a you know, great Greco guy. And basically he said, and he was like, well, maybe you're, you're in the wrong sport if you're worried about that. And I remember thinking, wow, he's telling Mark Perry he might be in the wrong sport. He's John Smith's nephew. Maybe I'm in the wrong sport. But you're right. It's that it comes down to a lot of times fear. We don't want to be – that's why a lot of people – what keeps a lot of people from Greco and being able to embrace risk, that's a lesson for wrestling, for your school, for your entire life. Business, forget about being a business success without any kind, kind of risk. It's true. Got some more? I, I got a quick one for you, Matt. At what age would you first get a kid into Greco? What age would you start implementing some, some Greco-Roman training? I got a four-year-old son. Is he too young? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it, it, it varies for everybody. For, for me, I've, I've been asked these oh, – What I just had my calendar pop up here. I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to get my screen – there it is. Um, I, I think it's for, for everybody is it, a little different. I think play is, is critical. I think playing, playing wrestling, not competing in wrestling. There, there's, there's the two different mindsets there. Are we having fun? Are we enjoying? Are we, are we falling in love with the sport or are we embracing the grind? Those two things. I, I, I hate that grind word. I, I, because that just feels like agony. It feels like, like something I wouldn't enjoy, but play to me is something I would, I would enjoy. I mean, kids love to play. So let's go play wrestling and it doesn't have to be competing. It doesn't have to be stressed. Uh, I'm telling you, if you look at anything in the animal kingdom, they don't bend over, lower their level, 
penetrate Steph, they lock up <laughs> and they wrestle. And, and it is all upper body. So my, my encouragement would be to start with Greco um, and, and let them play and have fun and enjoy the sport. Did that answer you? Oh yeah. How about my, how about my three-year-olds? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was, that was good. That answered the question. Thank you. You bet. All right. Gene, well, you got some more? Don Delphin asks, Matt, in times like this with COVID restrictions, what would you suggest in order to keep high school teams motivated in types of workouts and activities that would be a benefit within the spirit of wrestling as an art form and having well-rounded kids? Boy, COVID has been a tough time for all of us. Um, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time staying motivated. I'm telling you, um, just being honest here, this, 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 is, this is actually... Getting our daily motivation text messages, right? <laughs> I, I, follow you, I follow you on LinkedIn. Um, you know what? It's probably the same thing I would, I would say to, you know, the, the crazy dad or coach that sends me a, a message on, on one of the social medias like, my kid's six and uh, he's one state. How do I get him to, to be the best in the, the country? I'm like, your kid's six, take him fishing. Um, go do, just go do things that, that they're going to enjoy and they're going to love. And there, there are certain modalities, you know, cross training modalities that, that we can do, you know, like I, I go work on my, my stand up paddleboard right now because I'm, my cabin here in Oregon is right on the Columbia river. I don't have a lot of whitewater, but uh, when I, when I was working with Pat Smith on, on his footwork for his lift, um, I was showing him, you know, the, these patterns and, and just like any, uh, any art, you hear that? The, the rhythm, that's the rhythm of the footwork. It's not, it's, there, there's different rhythms. And, and that's, that's in the art. And Pat went, Pat went surfing and he came back from a surfing trip and he goes, Hey, I figured out how to do that footwork. You, you taught me. And I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, when I went surfing, he showed me to step up with my inside leg first and then, and then come up, butt down, head up, hips in. I, and I caught a wave and, and it was like, that's great because I've been struggling to get you to understand this footwork pattern and how to step your feet up. And you went surfing and came back and showed me what you learned from surfing that could help you with your, your wrestling. Um, so, you know, have fun, play, enjoy. Uh, right now, I mean, it, do things that they like to do. Um, don't, don't try to push that right now. We got to get back on the mat um, because they don't have to right now. Right now they, they can work on, on other things that they enjoy. If they enjoy reading, you know, find some books that are, that are, that are going to fill them, that are going to encourage them, that are going to help them grow their mind and uh, work on, you know, other athletic movements that they can do on their own and, and fun activities. But, but, don't try to just, that's one thing that I, I think I learned way late was I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get good because I wanted to be the best. Um, when, I, when I got in the sport, my, my coach has never talked about winning state titles, never talked about winning NCAA champions. 
Hence, I never did. I was never a state champion. I was never a, a, a division one All-American, but I ended up winning a world and Olympic medal and multiple national titles in the United States. Uh, and also become one of the, the number one fighter in my weight class in, in, the, in the mixed martial arts. So I don't think right now is, is the time to say we got to figure out a way to train. There are ways to train and, and you'll find those ways by doing things you love to do. And, and, and then everything will connect. It'll, it'll connect just like Pat connected the, the surfing trip to his, to his lift. Excellent. Coach Matt Linland, thank you very much. Great stuff. We touched on so much there. Sports, there a lot. business, life. We really appreciate it. We're very honored that you joined us. Thank you. Well, thank you for putting this together for everyone. And uh, you, you guys keep up the great work. I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, I, I just think it's awesome, guys. And uh, this this should be a, a yearly thing now, even even uh, when we don't have COVID. That's right. We, we may even go that route. We may even go and, that and route. I hope, to, I hope to speak to a large group in person where I can actually see feedback. It helps so much when you had your face on it rather than – even if it was just you and Jeff. Um, so. I, know. I know what it's like as a speaker. It's tough to like, you know, where, where are people at? It's easier to kind of, but it's a different thing. These are the times we live in. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this quarterly. That sounds like a good plan to me. But uh, thanks, Matt. Good to see you. All right. You bet, gentlemen. Absolutely. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.